Hey everyone, Angela Mendoza here, and you're once again listening to the Odie Cloud NetSuite Community Podcast. Today, I'm sitting in with Odie Cloud co-founders Osariyamu and Hotterade once again, as well as consultant Derek Brown, to answer the question of what exactly makes a tech project successful. We also ask questions such as, how do you feel about sweet success? Does a consultant really need to know everything about a business for a project to be successful? Can they go about it piecemeal? And how much input does a consultant need from a company to have a successful tech project? We answer all those questions and more today on the Ida Cloud NetSuite Community Podcast. Enjoy. I mean, Ahad, you're basically the one that came up with the topic for today. So it was very funny when you <laughs> came into the conversation and were like, oh, my internet's out. I, I can't see you guys and whatnot. <laughs> um, but I do kind of want you to present the question um, to the guys here, Osar and Derek, um, just to kind of get a feel for what exactly you meant and what exactly your inspiration was for, for bringing up this topic. Because... I mean, I, I think you brought it up like late at night or something like that. Like it was in like in the middle of, yeah. of the night, uh, which is possibly the best time when, when we all work. But uh, yeah, what was your inspiration behind bringing up that topic? And, and if you could present the topic to us right now, I mean, uh, please do so. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, it's interesting because I was thinking about, you know, there's a lot of people talk about, you know, it's, it's easy to remember things that go wrong, right? It's easy to remember things that, you know, those, those experiences that you, of course, sometimes dread and you learn from them, but, you know, you learn from your mistakes, you learn from things that you could do differently. But then at the same time, we, you know, as professionals, ex experienced and seasoned professionals in the space, um, we also know, you know, what, what things make our project successful, what pitfalls to avoid, what common risks we see with uh, implementations or optimizations. And, and, you know, so, some of them are, really basic traits that general, you know, um, consulting uh, knowledge or etiquette can resolve, whereas others are really, you know, could be technical best practices, right, that help resolve it. But the topic that I had in mind was, you know, what is it that makes these technology projects successful? You know, is it, um, is it hiring just the right people? Is it, is it a company level approach? Is it a, a, a unique skill set? You know, what are the factors that affect, um, uh, affect implementation timelines, uh, risks, turnover, et cetera. And then, you know, how can we mitigate these things? So I kind of wanted to open the floor up to, for discussion. And uh, I'm glad Derek is able to join us today as well to, to shed some light on some of his experiences um, and, uh, you know, open the floor to see, you know, what it is that uh, you've done in the past, Derek, you know, that you would like to, you know, kick off with maybe and, and indicate that would be a, that makes your project successful. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, they say like real estate, it's all about location, right? I, I have this thing about um, these projects where it's all the people, it's, it's people, right? It's these pla yeah. and that's a platform, it's just a dumb computer, right? And you tell it what to do. It's, in, it's programmed to work a certain way. But at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to, um, you know, having pe like typical things that people collaborate on, right? And understanding... Um, you know, as a consultant, especially in this world, you have to be um, good at sensing and understanding nuances of a conversation. So was, I've worked with a lot of people. I used to coach them where they would be 
just a, like an IT, they just have like an IT background. And I'm like, you got to like listen to the way the customer reacts to what you just said. You got to pick up on those new, you got to pick up on those cues a little bit of how they liked it, how they didn't like it. And those little cues, those little nuances, you got to figure out ways to, uh, they, sometimes people don't tell you they're unhappy directly. You have to pick up on that. And if maybe you're not picking up on that nuance, you're going to miss this big part of the project, right? And it's no surprise that implementation projects are super hard, right? It's super stressful for the company. They have to like flip everything around. They're spending a bunch of money. There's a lot of stuff going on. They're dealing with the culture of that company and shifting to a new system and people that don't want to change. And, and there's all these different things on top of it. Um, and then you also might have a mature organization might have certain processes that are kind of ingrained in how they do it, right? So they switch to something like NetSuite and we're like, oh, well, how does NetSuite do a, a, B, C. And you're like, well, it doesn't do A, B, C because that's, it doesn't work like that. It's a completely new platform. We need to talk about how you guys, you know, why is that important to you? Why do we need to do it that way? Hey, here's another way to think about it that maybe you didn't think about before. All those things are very, very important. So I've always thought that good consultants, they understand how to have those conversations. You got to have some industry experience. You got to know that you got to understand the business and and understand just how that business ticks, like how do they make money and just some basics of that organization. Um, so the people is very important to me. So I spent a lot of time, um, I guess, nerding out on this kind of stuff and figuring out these little nuances on a project. And I get a lot of actually a little bit of anxiety when I, before I get a project because there's all this stuff I have to figure out and I have to figure out all their personalities and everything. But once you kind of figure that out, then the rest is just working through with that company and helping them kind of move to that to the next level. Um, and it, it's challenging differently for like different organizations in my mind, right? So like so you might have people, I've worked with people that sometimes culturally, I'm saying business culture, they're not good with change. Like it's very yeah. hard for them to think outside the box. It's very hard for them to adopt something new. And then I've worked with other organizations in startup mode where they're like, changes our middle name. It's like all we do every single day is change stuff and we're doing different, everything's different because they're in that growth pattern, right? Um, so, so it's, it's a different dynamics, yeah. Well, what do you think is, you know, that's an interesting point you bring up about, you know, some organizations being more, um, uh, you know, able to change versus others. Well, what do you think it is? Do you think it's like, a, it's a culture thing? Do you think it's something something else that allows because an organization yeah. is still made of people, right? So what do you think, uh, in your opinion, is the, is the factor? Oh, well, I, I've always thought it's a lot of, it's industry that they're in. So like sometimes industries, there's industries where like, they got the cornerstone of the market and a lot of competition, you know, like they're pretty much like, they don't need to be that innovative. But then there's other industries where they have to be kind of disruptive and they have to be innovative. Otherwise the competition just swallows them up. So I think that, you know, a lot of it is, the, the competition in that industry almost drives how the people react to that organization. And like-minded people attract like-minded people, right? So like those people that join these startups in that high growth pattern, maybe have a personality, they like working at startups. So they go hire other people that have that same, that same mentality. So it's, um, so I think it's that simple, actually. It's the industry they're in. But then also people want to work with other people typically that kind of, you know, maybe see the world the way that they that they see the world, you know, 
And yeah. maybe somebody who joins an organization that feels like, oh my God, I, I come from this place where I made all these changes and we do all this cool stuff. And then I come over to this new place and it's like, why is it so hard to make this one change? And those people might eventually get frustrated and leave um, to go somewhere else. So it's, so those, that's my opinion. It's just people and industry. Like it depends on how, how, um, how it affects that organization. It has nothing to do with NetSuite or nothing to do with these mm-hmm. IT systems. It's all like this business and people. Oh, sorry, your thoughts, man. Yeah, it looks like you're nodding over there, very much in agreement. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's a great point. I think, uh, Derek, you, I mean, that's 100%. I'm 100% in agreement with that. I think the people does make, I mean, a large percentage of the success of every project depend on the people. I think maybe just to add a little bit to that, there is a, so there's interpersonal skills. That's what I usually, you know, call that group of, um, skill set they just mentioned right not you know being technical in that speed is great knowing your stuff is great just it's a good starting point but being able to read the person you're talking to read the room like you know if you're presenting to a large audience knowing who you're talking to knowing their, their history uh, how they got there being able to use that as a as an, an as a good input for how you, you know how you communicate right that for me is super key i think Derek master this aspect more than anyone else I've known in this in this space. But that's really one of the critical skill set because you, you don't start with that skill set like when on the day one of the project. You actually start from the sales cycle. Even before you kick off the project, everyone that's part of the sales should actually have that um, that skill set as well. Because you want to yeah. know how this project is going to play out for them. It may be a different way to organize the project milestones. It may be a different way to organize the different phases of the project because you can read that these, these guys have a different history with technology and it's not gonna be as quick as deploying this for startup, for example, versus deploying the system for an oil and gas industry, right? So yeah. you have to be able to read that early on and really organize the project phases to, to capture that culture aspect, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. about those different industries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's interesting because you have some people, for example, that are uh, they're good consultants, but they're more, you know, they're a little more introverted, right? So it's interesting because, you know, I, I've been in, I've been in meetings, initial meetings where we kick off and, you know, um, you know, me in a management capacity, I'm like much more engaging and, and talkative and I can kind of win the yeah. client's trust. But, you know, depending on who your audience is and who your client is, sometimes a lack of, you know, uh, response or that interpersonal, um, extroverted personality can be taken as uh, a lack of knowledge or confidence. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily true, but, um, but, you know, I've seen that happen where clients are like, Hey, you know, they'll kind of call on you to check. Hey, you know, um, you know, John, are you listening? You know, what what, what are your thoughts about this? They'll purposely pick on you to kind of see if you're following along or if you're just kind of like just nodding along and not really, you know, uh, understanding anything. Um, and I find that interesting because I found those first few meetings are key to build that confidence and trust with the client um, and kind of sets the stage for the rest of the implementation or your engagement with them because you've, you've, you've kind of won their trust. You've, you've told them, you understand, you know, you've shown them that you understand the system, you understand what they're saying, you're an active listener, you're taking good notes and, and doing follow-ups. And that kind of sets the stage to build that foundation uh, for your engagement, right? Have you encountered anything like that? Um, you know, in, in your experience? Um, yeah, I mean, to- totally. That's that's the case, right? Um, 
Um, and, you know, maybe it comes, I think sometimes more natural to me because I'm naturally, I think an extrovert and it's like, it's very easy for me to just pick up a conversation with a random person and talk to somebody. But I mean, this, this is business too. So you got to make sure that you build rapport right away. Um, and yeah, be an active listener, but kind of be like um, part of that conversation. You know, like yeah. um, there was a thing that, um, so I, I try to, you know, think strategically about, okay, well, what questions am I going to ask in this situation based on their business? Because I've worked with other clients in this industry and they had these little quirks and they had these little nuances. So it's really, but sometimes good questions come from this planning, like actually, it comes from experience. You have to know, you have to, you have to have been through experiences to ask good questions, but it also comes from just um, putting a little thought and being kind of mindful of what that industry does and, and what kind of questions they're going to have. Because sometimes if you just go, well, what's your process here? And they describe it to you, but you don't really ask any qualifying questions or any follow-up questions. Um, and then you come back and present a solution to them and they're like, well, hold on. That's like 10% of what I asked for. You yeah. just missed all the nuances of that conversation because you didn't like go through and dig into and try to peel back those onion layers. Because, you know, one thing that I understood, uh, I think really early on is they're, they're hiring me for this from an SVD expertise. Like I, I need to come to the table and bring up nuances that I hear about other companies do or kind of like work through those different situations. At the end of the day, NetSuite's a platform just like anything else. There's things that does really, really well. There's things that, it still is improving on, right? And yeah. as a, a good consultant is going to know that off the top of their head, right? So maybe they're going to say something and in your head, you're not going to say it out loud, but in your head, you're thinking like, well, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And that's who doesn't do that one, right? Let me ask some more questions. Okay, so are you saying this? Let's qualify that a little bit. Let's peel back those onion layers. And kind of, I mean, those business requirements are very, very critical. Like if somebody came to you, for instance, and said, hey, I want to implement... Um, I don't know, anything. I want to implement it, accounts payable. I want to implement some inventory control. Can you just like give me that some out-of-the-box processes? Yes, no problem. We can do out-of-the-box processes. But yes. at the end of the day, yes. though, you got to be good at like digging into what, they, what they're trying to get at. Like you got you to gotta be able to articulate. And sometimes customers don't know the worst. They don't know how to articulate it in NetSuite world. That's kind of your job is to bridge that gap a little bit in terms of having them articulate their business, but then, you know, like asking qualifying questions so you fully understand it. And th those kind of, those actually simple things will build a lot of rapport. And then the rest is all just delivering and executing on what you promised them that you would do, right? So you don't overpromise. You, you give them, you, you set expectations properly. So at the end of the day, they're happy with the end result. I mean, like if you don't set expectations in the very, very beginning of how you communicate yeah. those expectations, the whole thing can go awry like really, really quickly, you know? And so that right there is like instant project failure because you didn't establish good rapport and like that good, that good trust. Right. And, and every, these are all things that are innate to every person. It's not like a, like the business, right? Like us human people that like just people have things that, um, we catch we catch up on or we um, cue in on that are like um, things that we value and we trust, right? So like being like following up on something, agreeing on expectations, meeting those expectations. Those are things that people look for. 
So I just, so it's all like the simple stuff in the beginning. It's really just kind of working through those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you don't mind, let me maybe, maybe ask, uh, no, add, I think a different perspective to this. I think we always put a lot of pressure on ourselves as consultants to be the one leading the project, making sure we deliver. But I also want to put a customer in, in, on the spot here, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, every relationship has two participants, at least it's minimum. It could be more, but normally two participants. Yeah. But, uh, so we do our part. You know, I, I agree 100% with what you said, Derek. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things we have to do to make sure that that relationship actually gets started in the right way. But one of the things I found that was really the most important in getting to that finish line successfully with a project was ownership from the client side. Like yeah. I can tell you, you know, all the projects I've had, the most complex ones always have this in common. There was no one from the business that stepped in and that said, I'm going to lead this project. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to make yeah. sure I bridge the gap with what these guys are doing on the IT side with the business stuff because I know my folks, right? I know them. I know how they think. I'm going to make the extra effort to be on those meetings so I can translate what these guys are doing to my team. Mm. Once and every time there was a big issue in the project, that role yeah. was like, right? So I can give you one example. Recently, it was a pretty large project uh, in LA, and yeah, there was for three months I was working by myself. So I had all the best interest in getting this project off the ground. I had all my, you know, all my stuff ready, but all the processes. But again, I, I felt I was speaking to a wall. People were showing up, like all the people I invited were showing up on meetings, great. But they come in there, they have emails to catch up on, busy with other stuff until the project sponsor decided to stop doing the, you know, he had other jobs to do, which was basically yeah. more important. But he decided to start coming to our meetings. And he is the CTO of the company, right? CTO level, coming to our network meetings, sitting there, Trust me, from day one, no more email, no more texting. <laughs> and everyone started talking. Everyone started talking about the requirements. People were watching out the things they wanted to see in the system. And that changed everything. So there is also that aspect, right? Yeah. I agree with that. As well. Yeah, that's, um, I, you know, I didn't even talk about that at all. But like, it takes two to tango, right? Like on these Ooh. projects. And, you know, sometimes here's a hard thing, too. The people that you really need on these projects, the people that actually like make the decisions, they're the busiest people at any organization. That's that's just like that's that's the thing, right? But the busiest people need to be involved in these projects. And the successful projects get buy-in from all the way up to executive management. And executive management because because if things are a priority up above, it becomes a priority down below, right? Yep. And if things aren't a priority, they don't get they don't get done. But it, it's I think it's a really really good point you brought up because where I've seen projects go sideways, is I'm doing all the stuff I mentioned. Every, yeah. I feel like everything's going really exactly. well, but then the day I'm like they're not doing what I'm asking them to do, and yeah, there's tricks I picked up over the years to get them to do something right, and you know you turn it over to them. Oh hey, now it's your time to drive, and you you're just watching and asking questions, and you know like there's different th tricks that you learn in the trade to kind of, but you know, at the end of the day though, I've been in projects before too, where sometimes you have to have that hard conversation with the executive management or whoever your senior person is and say, I need your help. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm observing. I'm a little worried about how things are going because we're not getting involvement from your team. And like, sometimes just bringing that up, can like be like make or break on a project because like because because obviously the person in charge doesn't want the project to go right 
And you're going to build instant trust with that individual because here you are as a consultant on the project and you're bringing up a concern that could jeopardize the whole project, right? Yeah, you could have just like not brought it up and things kind of go on and then all of a sudden the project goes away. But you know, those, the hard conversations, actually there's always a couple on every single implementation. Those ones are the most important because the hard conversations is actually what makes or breaks the whole project. It, just in my opinion, those kind of yeah. little things that come up. No, I totally agree with you guys on, on that for sure. So I wanted to like pose a, a situation and I think it's important to discuss this because we never have. And I think it's a, um, a pretty, you know, um, it's a pretty well-known methodology nowadays. So like, what are, you know, imagine you walk into a, an implementation and the client's super excited, you know, it's a, they have several hundred users, enterprise level engagement, but they're like, oh man, you know, NetSuite sold them on Suite Success. <laughs> you know the keyword yeah. so you walk in <laughs> and this is a sweet success gig it's just like oh we can't wait to go live in 100 days and Derek and Ozark you know you guys are the consultants but what is well, what would you like to um, you know maybe define sweet success a little bit and then tell me how you'd have that conversation <laughs> with the client well, first of all why are you guys laughing I don't know what <laughs> I don't know why I think I, uh, I think once I, we dive into it a little bit we'll know um, I hope no one's from Net. I hope no one from Net <laughs> listens to this. I mean, I, look, I think I think just just a, you know a, a little bit of a disclaimer here. I mean, I think everything has its pros and cons, but yeah. but you know, like uh, uh, Derek and Ozar and even Angela. Angela, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, maybe once we define it, you know, you can give us a an outsider's perspective on which approach you would take. You know, um, Derek, why don't you go ahead? Well, I mean, I can talk about it. it's it's a um, it's a project methodology, right? It's um, the idea is that you know let's get let's get you on NetSuite as soon as possible, right? Let's mm -hmm. let's not focus on all the complexity, but let's let's keep it simple and get get you guys operational. Let's define what that that's going to be. It's a methodology that you follow. It's based on there's a lot of best practices that NetSuite puts in there. I think they do a really good job of actually putting all it together and thinking through that. There's, ton, there's tons of good stuff in that. Um, even all the data import templates, uh, you also get a lot of functionality that like NetSuite's gathered over the last like decade or so. All that's brilliant. I think they do a great job with that. The hard part, um, that the part that I struggle with is the people aspect of it is sometimes an organization isn't at a level or mature enough to be able to do an implementation of the complexity of NetSuite within that time frame. So sometimes you got to have those like hard conversations. And sometimes I think people are just, they, you know, they might be like, let's do this. Like we're going to get this done. But it, back to Osar's comment, um, you know, the executive team needs to really ask like, are we ready for this? Can we, have we done something like this in the past culturally? Can we shift our priorities just to NetSuite for a couple of months? Because, like, can we move things around? Um, because successful implementations, you know, like at the end of the day, as much as their team is involved in those processes, it's going to make it a lot smoother. Because eventually, the consultants kind of go away, or they're not as involved anymore, and the team needs to really run with the system and go with it. So I think, yeah, there's pros and cons to it, um, and I think, but I think it makes sense for certain organizations. Um, but I think other organizations, um, it could be a, it could be a challenge to, to, you know, like, unless you're ready to commit to what it's all about and kind of be successful with that. 
Yeah, I think the way I would the way I would look at uh, sweet sweet success is actually in two different parts, right? There is the tech aspect of it that Derek just spoke about, being able to prepackage a few best practices, templates, right? That's the good part. Honestly, you know, you're able to start an implementation with something that's already, you know, pre-built, right? As opposed to starting from scratch, right? That's the tech aspect. Then there is the implementation aspect, which is you know, not getting the user adoption, right? Talking about unique processes that these guys have, because again, it could be the same industry, you know, software, but they are competitive because of things they do differently, right? So you're always gonna have that because the founder is gonna say, you know, we were a software company now, you know, if we we're doing exactly the same thing, that, same thing as everyone was doing, wouldn't be as good as we are in this market. But, so those processes they have that's very unique to them needs to be considered, right? So I 100% agree that we need to be able to start a project from templates that already worked for a specific industry, have things already pre-built. But for me, it's, it's more like an accelerator than the end, than, than the end product. Right. The way, the way I feel NetSuite is selling it, and actually, it's not doing them service because I think if they sold this just slightly differently, it would be, I mean, it would be a great win for many businesses and many partners they work with, right? So they sell this as the end product. For me, they should sell this as a, uh, a quick starter or an accelerator, right? Which means right. that instead of spending the first month just doing the basic NetSuite setup, you're spending the first month having very good conversations with your client knowing that you're going you're gonna to be able to deploy those bundles or those setups very quickly. So you're not just burning hours and just doing the pre-configuration configuration or the basic setup of NetSuite. That's taken care of by this additional accelerator. Then it gives you more time on your implementation schedule to have those conversations, right? Yeah. That's, the way I, yeah, that's the way I would sell it. Then it's not just the end product. Now you have something that's really well started on the system side, templates are ready. Now you address the issues early on, as opposed to waiting for the basic setup to be done manually before you actually start having those conversations with, with your clients. So that's really my take on shoot success. Yeah. I don't know if I had this makes sense for you. No, no, it does. It does. And I mean, you know, I, I of course have my own perspective. I mean, I've taken clients live, you know, within a hundred days or three months, typically in an implementation, but I found that the sweet success approach is uh, better suited to you know, if you've got five to 10 users, you know, you don't have like crazy intercompany transactions. It's very baseline implementation, ARAP, uh, you've got GL, you don't have too many integrations, right? I think scope is a major aspect of it too. So you can't, you can't take an enterprise level project and, and fit it into Sweet Success. I mean, Sweet Success will, uh, all the bundles and everything, all the benefits associated with it will, all, will always act as an accelerator. So I do agree with, with your uh, you know, with how you classified it there, Ozar, uh, that it is an accelerator. It's a, it's an added benefit for sure for clients to have. It comes with pre-configured dashboards and roles, so we don't have to spend too much time doing that. But when yeah. you have hundreds of users, each user may have different differences in the role. And unfortunately, at least at this point in time, the Sweet Success uh, bundles will not allow that level of detail or differentiation where it's kind of plug and play, right? Um, so I think it's, it's, it's a case by case situation. And I do think that the level of complexity, the number, number of users and the very, very modules affect whether or not you can deliver this, uh, this approach. I certainly don't think, um, it's a one size fits, uh, fits all type model. Um, but 
I have gotten clients uh, in the past that expected, you know, that had expectations that they could be up and running within a very uh, short span of time. Whereas, you know, I was a little more hesitant on my side and had to kind of have a tough conversation because, um, you know, from, from PM standpoint, I want to make sure I call out any risks and mitigate them as soon as possible. Right. And so it's, 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 I've had challenges like that in the past. And and I think that that's actually why I brought this question up and um, I was a little amused by it was because of those situations that I encountered in the past a little bit. Yeah. But but one thing that's funny though, is like, I mean, for for us uh, at OD cloud right now, once we talk to a customer, I mean, maybe 80% of the customers we talk to that need help, like they need help urgently. Uh, mostly from suite success implementations, right? So, so it's not, I mean, I, th- I don't know if there's a pattern here, but uh, I feel like even that NetSuite has to review this methodology or is good for us in terms of, you know, we having a more optimization or support um, business model we come in after. But I feel like this is something most of their customers struggle with. And at the end of the day, they have to hire a new team. I've, I've seen like re-implementations, right? Which is something that's really crazy because you have to be, like trash everything you've done over the past two months and restart, right? So things like that, you know, I would say for me, the methodology is one thing. Uh, I would say yeah, for us as consultants, I think it's important for us to be able to understand how a project should be run. I think there's best practice, best practices in project management. And those project management methodology always have in the center the people, right? As we just mentioned. Yeah. Doesn't matter what tools you bring in, what uh, you know, what the pre-configuration or what these technologies basically it could be anything. You could run those projects for building houses. You could run those projects for building technology or anything. But there are key aspects of any project that requires people management. Right? That is very difficult to say. Hey, in 100 days, I'm going to just press all these buttons, and you're going to be live. Right? Even if you press all the buttons right, and all the screens look great. On the, on the one day you give a user access to that, trust me, <laughs> the first thing you're gonna hear is that this is not working for me, right? So, so the early you bring on that people aspect to project management, the better, because again, pre-configured is great, but you have to really get user adoption as you build the project, as you build the tool. And that's what I think is lacking in some of these fast, fast track uh, projects is that you don't bring in the people aspect, but it is complicated, right? You have discussions to be held, no partner wants to have that discussion. <laughs> Nestle doesn't want to have it specifically. So they kind of just push those discussions to later. Yeah. And most time when it's too late, right? So. Um, no, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, Angela, if you will, I have another question here. So I, I'm going I'm to jump in and ask. But I've also seen in, in my past experience working in multiple consultancies, right? I've seen, I've seen um, an approach where you have your team. Your team sits in all the discovery calls and, and goes through everything together, understanding the full business process after which they break away and, and take on various configurations. And then I've seen another approach where you have it already broken down from the get-go. Like, hey, uh, you know, John's going to manage procure to pay. You know, Emily's going to manage order to cash, so on and so forth. Um, do you, do you, uh, either of you um, have any... Uh, experience with respect to which approach you would you would recommend um, you know to clients that may be listening to f- current or future clients 
that may be listening to this podcast with respect to, you know, what's been more successful, uh, a more successful approach in your experience? So just to make sure that's so is basically bringing in the entire team and everyone is basically responsible. I, I guess, I guess the root of the question or... is, uh, uh, Ozar, sorry to cut you off, but like uh, yeah. the root of the question is really, do you think every consultant needs to have an end-to-end understanding of the business to configure their aspects of the system? Or do you think they can just gather requirements piecemeal and, and put it together uh, and take a client live? Yeah. So let me, let me try to see if I can. So the way, what I would recommend, you know, in terms of how you structure your teams and especially if you have a very complex business, right? Don't, yeah. You shouldn't expect, first of all, from your own company, right? You shouldn't expect one person to know everything. So when they say, we are going, we are going to implement NetSuite, and they put this guy, you know, Josh. <laughs> Josh is the tech-savvy guy. He's young. He's super excited by everything. He wants to be on everything. So let's put Josh. And he's the only one there, right? Yeah. He's the point person for everything, right? I think that's one thing I've seen that should not, that should doesn't work. I prefer, just starting with the client side, I prefer actually what I've seen, what I've seen the most successful it's when a client actually make the effort to say, okay, we have five different areas of our business that are critical, right? Who are the best people to speak to those areas, right? And you have, back from my Deloitte days, we actually do this very well by identifying the super users or the champions, right? Every department is gonna have to elect their champion, right? So finance have a champion, logistics have a champion, uh, P2P as a champion. So they're always going to kind of come up with who's that person in every department that has this tactical knowledge that we need uh, for this project. So that's on the client side. And on the consultant side, it's also wrong to believe that because you have one consultant that's super good, he knows everything, right? You also want to have that same level of, um, of uh, expertise deeply in every business area. So you're going to have someone that will be taking care of the financial part of NetSuite configuration someone that's super good in, uh, in the logistics side, someone that's good in, on the manufacturing. Now, the, what's tricky is that you have to have one person that owns the entire solution, right? That's when you call in the architect. The architect right. doesn't know deeply every area, but he knows when to pull in other people to yeah. make a conversation more complete, right? So these are all these tactics that, you know, once you start a NetSuite project, it's tough for, you know, even NetSuite at that level to be performing at that level of, of consulting. These are, these are things that the big four do very well because they understand these little tactics and because they have very complex projects to manage. So if we are able at our level of working with smaller businesses or fast growing startups to bring that level of organization in the project, that changes everything. Because it's not just the software you're deploying, you're deploying new processes. So for me, the key has always been having on the client side, super users or champion right, business area on the technology team, having experts on different areas and having the middle want a super good architect that can, you know, that can bridge all these different things together and have a full understanding of the entire project. Again, not, a, not going into deeply into the, into the processes, but he knows exactly how those things interact. I don't know if this answer your question, Had. No, it definitely does. It definitely does. And I kind of wanted your experience on, on approach. Uh, I mean, Derek, did you have anything else to add with respect to what you think a, a team structure approach would be uh, in relation to what Ozar uh, just mentioned here? Ozar described it the way that I always think that I've seen it work. You know, you have 
at the end of the day, you got to have yeah, at, that, at the company, you have to have, you know, there, there has to be ownership from different people and they have different roles in it. Subject matter experts. So those people need to own the process, the business processes in their departments. And that's not always the manager. Sometimes people think it's the manager. I'm like, well, sometimes it's the, it's the right hand person or whatever of the manager. Um, you know, maybe who has the time and the bandwidth to really work through all the stuff with the users, right? They're, they have a big responsibility in this whole thing, right? But on the consulting side too, yeah, I, I, you know, I've always done it where you, yeah, you separate up based on, because people have domains of expertise, right, within consulting. But then there's people that, um, you know, I think where I've seen companies make a mistake too is you have to have somebody who's more of an architect, like Osar said, but that person has to be technical. They have to like understand NetSuite and they have to like really, they've been through this enough times where they know, they don't need to know every process for this project in detail, but they know it enough or they know who to come in, right? Where I've seen people get this a little off is they have like a project manager and that project manager doesn't know NetSuite. And I'm like, how is that person gonna know to bring it? They're not gonna pick up on a nuance of how the customer says something they're not going to fully understand that. So, but the architect can be the leader of the project on the consulting side. But the key is they have to know NetSuite. Like sometimes I've seen it where like they're more admin or they're just yeah. like focusing on the projects and the budget and everything. And I'm like, it's very hard for them to do that. Like, how are they going to know when to bring somebody in unless they pick up on a nuance or some situation on the project that they know they need to bring in OSAR, or, you know, or whoever to that part of the project because he has that's his domain, like that's his area of expertise. So. Yeah, and I had, we didn't ask this question specifically, but I think this is one other aspect of, uh, one other way to make this, um, an IT project successful. It's actually how you phase out the different, uh, how you build the phases of the project, right? I think when I started consulting, uh, I was like 15 years ago with SAP and Oracle, right? The goal is, you know, you have this two years project, right? Basically you have like, 20 people on site from, you know, from the consulting team, you have 20 people from the client team, and we all sit together for two years. Everything has to be done within, the, within those two years to go live at a specific date. Kind of the, the waterfall as, um, approach, right? That was back then. I think right now what's really important for businesses is to understand that even if you go with NetSuite or any type of software out there, you don't have to go live with everything they want. Like you don't have to basically wait for a year to see your system live. So the sooner you can actually start using the system, the better you're going to be able to adapt that system to your needs, right? So there's yeah. technically, for me, at least minimum two phases of every project. There is the first three months, six months, whatever the time frame is, but that's when you get the basics of your system set up, right? Financials, get your logistics a bit set up. But again, if you try to push everything to be done at once, that's when you basically have all these, ex all these expectations. <laughs> At the end of the day, no one can fit an entire business into a software in less than three months if that complexity becomes really, really high. So if you break it down, just okay, here is realistically what, what we can go live with within three months. And here are all the mini go lives or the mini you know, optimizations we can do once we go live and they see their, pro their system evolve month after month. And a year from now, they'll have a much better product and they wouldn't have to wait a year to see how the product is, right? So for me, there's technically a difference from how IT project used to be done in the past. And most companies are still, are still thinking that way, but they have to make a shift towards what startups do. Startups, like, they live like that every day. Like, they go live with mini, like, mini optimizations on a weekly basis. 
and that's what made their business go extremely fast, right? So yeah. there is also that aspect that makes uh, a project successful. Agreed, agreed, guys. Um, appreciate all the insight here. Um, there is one last subject that I did want to touch on a little bit, and that's, um, as you mentioned, Ozar, you know, we try to, here at Odi Cloud, I know we do things differently, and I've seen it done differently at other organizations. Um, and I think Odi Cloud does a really good job at, at this, is, you know, keeping the same team on that did the implementation to do the post go live <laughs> optimization, right? What I've seen in a lot of consultancies is they have it, they have an implementation team and then they have a, a different optimization or support team. And um, I think we all know what the, the, the issues there are. There's, there's, there's always a knowledge gap, right? There's always a knowledge gap and then there's, there's ineffective KT that's performed. And then it's, uh, you know, what happens is the client goes live and now you're kind of, that, that progress that was there is now moving at a much slower pace. You're kind of having to have uh, reiterate discussions again and, and uh, have conversations that you already have with other consultants. So, you know, wanted to um, open the floor for that and see what your, you know, of course, how our approach at Odin Cloud is different. And uh, if you had, you know, any other um, feedback to add from your experiences. Yeah, Derek, you wanna get started with this? Um, it's sorry, Ahad, I missed the. Yeah, no, no so worries. Let me, yeah, let me let me probably let me just kind of rephrase that. I think what Ahad is trying to you know mention here is that definitely when you have a product team that spends three months with you, six months, one year to implement your ERP, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot that happened within that that time frame, and once you go live with NetSuite, every business know that the job is not complete at that point. But there is, the way things happens today is that most industry partners, they pull out that team, right? They have like four people working on that team on that project for, for six months, one year, they pull them out. And again, if, they, if the customer actually acquires support from them, they're gonna put, put in a different team or the customer has to go basically source new consultants mm -hmm. to come help them out for the following phases or just to keep their system up and running. And within those two, those two things, there is a lot of knowledge loss and also, you know, onboarding new people as you go live to kind of help you keep, uh, keep building on top of your NetSuite. I think for me, what early on when I was looking at how to, you know, build Odifloat, right? That was really my first approach with Odifloat was there's more work to be done after a customer, a customer go, goes live with NetSuite than prior to that, right? So think of three months implementation and these guys are going to be on NetSuite for five, seven years. That timeline is where most of most of the values you know, is delivered from this system, but no one actually follows them that route. So that's why I actually started by thinking, okay, maybe there's a better, you know, better business after they go live with NetSuite. But again, now we have more customers coming to us for implementation, and the approach that we kind of pushing forward right now is that we can give you a team to implement NetSuite for that three months, six months, but that same team remain engaged once you go live to keep your systems right. more optimized, right? And that's, each time we say that, <laughs> they're like, whoa. Like, that for me is like, they're they actually <laughs> seeing that value even before we even start doing it, right? Because like, if I can keep Derek for after go live, because all this discussion Derek is having right now with us, I know we don't have time to do all of that, but I would yeah. hate to have to talk to Josh, someone else in six months, and he has no history about that. I would love to be able to talk with Derek right now about our business, where we're going in two or three years, 
And Derek has that in his mind, thinking with us. Once we go live, he has had six months to think, think through it. And he said, okay, guys, here's what I think we should do. And that's the same person I've been talking to all this time. And for me, it looks like an easy sell. <laughs> like most partners won't do that. They will just basically focus on the implementation and try to get out as soon as possible. But I think there is really a great value of keeping your team engaged on the long term with every client you work for. Well, there's so much value. Yeah, um, what you said resonates a lot with me. There's so much value that happens uh, once they're actually live on the system. Like the the employees of that company are speaking NetSuite now. Like they're using the system. Like they're they're not they're not in theoretical mode anymore. They're actually using it. Like they have real business problems they're trying to solve. Um, but yeah, it's hard when they switch that and there's no continuity of a resource. Like, you know, it's like, Hey, let's, you're live now. Let's just, now you just open up a support ticket yep. and, and I'm like, well, hold on. Some of the things that they might need help on isn't the support ticket assumes it's a, everything's a simple thing. Like some things are, you just need that, um, continuity of a resource who, you know, these business, how businesses use NetSuite, how their businesses run, how businesses run can be kind of complex right so having even yeah, you have that consultant the consultants also learning their the customer's business as they're working with them on the implementation and then they just go away they go work on another customer well the, the that consultant's becoming more valuable to that company as they work yeah. with them longer because they're under they don't have to repeat the knowledge transfer they can bring up something to that consultant and the consultant would be like oh hey yeah, this is something that you guys would really benefit from because we've talked about this before. There's something, there's something about your business that you'd really benefit from. I mean, so in some ways, um, you know, that through implementation and then right after go live, there's tons of value that, that that consultant can offer right away. But then there's eventually a point where the company doesn't need the consultant as much. And that's kind of, to me, that's the, that's, you actually want that to happen. You want your customer to feel like they're in, they can do their own thing and they start building up their internal team, they start hiring people. And then eventually it's, you hit a point where they're not needing you as much. And that's fine because you go work on another customer that needs you more. They need that, they need that um, extra value that you bring to the table and can kind of help them through that, you know? Um, but that's, so that's the way I think about it. But yeah, it's super valuable to like um, work with them long-term after that, after that go live. Once they went live, sometimes the, the, the core parts of what they really want to do is just getting started. Because, you know, like they might have just went live for some simple stuff that they just got to get going on. And then now they're like, okay, now that we're on NetSuite, we can do all of those stuff that we really wanted to do. And then you can actually focus on those things. And everyone is gone, right? It's like, oh. Then no. everybody's gone who knows the whole project, you know? It's like, oh, we got to start new with John Smith, you know? And this guy doesn't know anything about our business. But yeah, I, just, right. I mean, this is a very good point that you raised. I think this is uh, something we can really talk more about for sure because, for us, that's, you know, that's something that we want to, even from the proposal for implementation for a new client, one already having that proposal, here is your support process. Not so, I, I wouldn't say support, it's really, here is the continuity of your project once we go live. And it's a year, it's a two year plan. I think it's a very good discussion to have from day one, telling this client, hey, you know, you're going to go live in three months, we're going to help you do that. But it's not, it's not like the system is not going to just stop in three months. The system continues. Your user is going to get ideas. And the team that you have right now is still going to keep working with you to make sure those ideas become actually solutions, right? So that's something I think we are really good at. I think we're telling more and more of, those, of that story to, to the prospects that we have. 
and they seem to love it. <laughs> so exactly. Um, awesome. So it looks like we're uh, we're in our our time here for the day. Um, Angela, did you have anything else to ask or add on to our discussions? I think I've gotten a good amount of feedback from both Ozar and Derek and appreciate all the input on, on these questions that I raised, guys. Uh, but Angela, I wanted to pass it to you to see if there was anything else uh, you wanted to add or, or ask at all. No, no, absolutely nothing. Uh, I mean, starting <laughs> at the beginning of the conversation, uh, you were talking about us as a seasoned uh, technology NetSuite consultants. And trust me, man, like uh, I barely even know how to like season my food. So, I mean, I'm the furthest thing from seasoned <laughs> myself. Um, but uh, no, this is exactly uh, like I was telling, um, like I, I said before, in one of our earlier podcasts, this is exactly what I envisioned for the podcast in the first place. Um, I wanted, you know, everyone to kind of have a say and, and you know, be very knowledgeable in NetSuite. Um, and the fact of the matter is that uh, the entire time I had no idea what you guys were talking about. So um, <laughs> I uh, was perfectly fine zoning out for the entire hour. Uh, my day has been incredibly hectic taking meetings all over the place and having to do uh, all this work for different people. So being able to relax for an hour was uh, basically the bright spot of this of this podcast for me. Um, he doesn't need to do zone out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm a glorified uh, sound engineer today. Uh, I just press play and I edit. That's that's the beauty of this job that I have right now. So no, thank you guys for sharing your guys' perspectives and and Ahad for taking the lead on that conversation. And Angelo, last point. Last point before you leave, before we uh, stop the conversation here. So one thing you can start doing with this, uh, with this podcast is using it, to, using it to like a white noise to sleep at night. Just put it on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. See, the crazy thing is, is that I actually listen to different NetSuite podcasts like all the time. Just to kind of get a feel for a next podcast, right? So oh, yeah. when you guys kind of went off and did your own thing, I was like, no, this is exactly what helps me fall asleep at night. Like this, this is what we want. Um, and, and I mean, it provides great value for the community. I think it, it's going to provide great value for anyone listening um, yeah. as part of the Nestle yeah. audience. So, I mean, again, like, yeah. thank you. I know, I know if you listen to this, you don't actually see the work Angela is doing on the back end, on the background of this. This podcast so i also want to thank you angelo i know there's a lot of work that come into setting this session it looks like you know it's easy but i know there's a lot of work to get us on this weekly schedule to bring guests like this and you know kind of host this conversation yeah so, absolutely yeah angelo you do a lot of work uh on the background to make this happen so well so thanks for that thanks thanks yeah yeah definitely no worries um so yeah i i think that brings uh the podcast that closes now two o'clock so thank you guys again um but yeah